You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. As we go through the second chapter of Sukkah, we shift, we segue gradually from things that people do as they're building their sukkah to things that people do inside their sukkah. And actually, the, the second chapter really combines these two ideas. And the fourth Mishnah begins, Someone who makes his sukkah between trees. And the trees form its walls. This is a sukkah that is sitting between the trees and effectively we're using the trees or the bushiness of the trees to represent the walls of the sukkah. But the schach is not suspended from the trees. The roof of the sukkah is not suspended from the trees. So there's no question, as we dealt with in the previous Mishnah, that somehow the sukkah can't stand without the trees. The roof is suspended in some other way. But the trees themselves form walls. And of course, we've already learned in the Mishnah of Sukkah, that the rabbis don't care what the walls of a Sukkah are made of. They can be made of absolutely anything. And so we're not surprised when the Mishnah concludes with the word Kashera. It's Kasher. Then the Mishnah moves on to the people themselves, and with exceptions to the mitzvah of Sukkah. Shluchei mitzvah puturin min hasukkah. Those who are on a mission to perform a mitzvah, agents to perform a mitzvah, maybe emissaries of the Bet Din, or on their way to perform any other mitzvah, they're exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah. People are sick, and their attendants too, by the way. People who are taking care of people who are sick are exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah. It's one eats and one drinks in a casual sense. One can take a snack outside the sukkah. The Bartanura explains, when discussing this idea that people who are sick and their attendants are exempt from the sukkah, he says, even those who have any kind of illness at all, were very, very lean, very, very lean. Anybody who has any kind of illness at all is exempt from sukkah. And then he explains the fact that it's permitted to annul a positive commandment of the Torah. We can, it's a, the mitzvah sukkah is a serious commandment, and yet we can annul it because of a mere illness, because of any kind of illness, or because of one's pain, because of a bad smell, or because of bed bugs and sleeves and fleas, in which case one's exempt. And similarly, those who are on a journey or people who are professional guards, guarding gardens and orchards. All of these, the rabbis exempted from the mitzvah of sukkah. Because it's written, and now we're going to quote a pasuk, basukot teshuvu, you shall dwell in the sukkot, you shall dwell in booths. And that means that it's like the way you dwell otherwise. The concept of dwelling takes precedence. Wherever there's a thing that would make a person leave his dwelling, a bad smell or bed bugs or insects or anything else that would make you leave a dwelling, in that case, you can also leave a sukkah. We're very lenient. There's a story. But, but, 
But some people are strict, of course. So the halakha allows us to be lenient, but some people are strict. And the Mishnah continues in Mishnah 5. Ma'asev heviyu l'rabban ruchanan ben zakai litomet atavshil. Ul'rabbanan gamliel, ul'rabban gamliel, shtei kotvot, shtei kotavot u'glishel mai. So it once happened that they brought the food to Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai to taste. So it sounds like the kitchen is operating and they bring him a little bit of food to check the taste is okay. And maybe at the same time, or maybe different, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and Rabbi Gamliel are contemporaries. So maybe this is the same time or maybe a different incident. They bring two dates and a pail of water to Rabbi Gamliel. Now both, both of these both of these relate to food which is not a proper meal. Just tasting doesn't constitute a proper meal. Two dates are less than the quantity for a proper meal. Water doesn't have any, uh, if you like, significance in terms of a meal. So none of these foods require eating in the sukkah. And yet the Mishnah records, Ve'amru ha'alum la sukkah. He, they said, bring them up to the sukkah. And the Rambam comments there, they brought you this incident to teach you. Someone who is really precise on himself, strict on himself. And he doesn't eat a thing or drink a thing outside the sukkah. He's praised even though there is no obligation. And the Mishnah actually explains the obligation in a parallel instance. The Mishnah loves teaching halakha by way of what the sages did. Because we can learn from what the sages did. And so it continues. Now this is the halakha now. They gave Rabbi Tzadok. Rabbi Tzadok's parallel to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and Rabbi Gamliel. They gave Rabbi Tzadok food less than the bulk of an egg. So they gave him less than the halachic quantity. He took it in a napkin and he ate it outside the sukkah. Less than the halachic quantity of food doesn't require eating in the sukkah. And it sounds like he doesn't doesn't require hand washing either because he's taken it in a napkin. He hasn't washed his hands. And he didn't say a bracha after it. Less than the bulk of an egg is not a halachic quantity of food, it seems, for any purpose at all. Now Rabbi Eliezer is going to come in. And we know, by the way, that Rabbi Eliezer is... Sometimes I say mad. Rabbi Eliezer has very extreme and very determined views. And very often they're rejected by the Chachamim. And he's going to come in with one of these views as well. Remember, Rabbi Eliezer is, saying, is the one who says that you can make a fire to smelt iron ore, to make a knife, to carry out Brit Milah on Shabbat. That's Rabbi Eliezer. The sages don't agree. They say, please prepare the knife beforehand. Anyway, Rabbi Eliezer is going to say, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Arba Esrei Sudut, Chayav Adam Lechoba Sukha. A person is obligated, a person is obliged to eat 14 meals in the sukkah. 14. Achat Bayom Va Achat Balaila. 
one on each day and one on each night. In other words, for each day of the seven days that were commanded to live in booths, we have to eat two meals. The sages say there's no fixed number. Other than the first night of the festival only. We need to eat a meal in the sukkah on the first night. That is, by the way, some people are very, very careful to eat in the sukkah on the first night, even if it's raining or even if the weather is terrible. And we'll learn at the end of the chapter the halacha about eating in the rain. And clearly we do not eat in the rain in the sukkah. But some people are very careful about the first night, really because of this idea. The the sages say there's no fixed number except on the first night of the festival. The odd Amar Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Eliezer went on to say, Someone who doesn't eat in the sukkah on the first night of the festival can make up for it on the last night of the festival. And we find this very puzzling, by the way, because the last night of the festival is Shemini Atzeret. There's not, not even a mitzvah of sukkah. On Shemini Atzeret, how can you possibly make up for a meal in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeret, which is after the end? The Chachamim Omrim and the sages say, "Ain la davar tashlumim." You can't make up for this stuff. Alzene Mara, and then they quote a verse. Then they quote a verse. Mu uvat lo yuchal litkon. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. And that which is lacking cannot be counted. As if it's to say, you know, very often in life we get other chances. And I suppose on Sukkot we get other chances too, because we hope we celebrate Sukkot year after year after year after year. We hope we do so for many years at any rate, for many, many years. But the sages are saying, Gosh, the first night of Sukkot, that's a one-time chance. We have to take that chance. And if we miss that chance, we can't make it up afterwards. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Benedict.